0: Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, here for Stage 11 of the Giro d'Italia, the last or only pancake flat sprint stage for the second week from Santa Cangiello di Romagna to Reggio Emilia. And the first k's of this stage are on the same road in a straight line to Bologna, and then, yeah, it's it's a flat sprint stage. I told you yesterday, and if you spent all stage watching it, that's on you. Um but there was supposed to be some echelon action, Benji. Or you said on Twitter it was fifty-fifty, maybe echelons, maybe not. Um I guess it they did try in some sense.
1: Yeah, they certainly tried, but it was that kind of stage where it was kind of on the edge. Some echelons could happen, and some actually occurred for a bid where Caleb Yun was off the back in a small group together with Thomas again, trying to bridge them back up, but It only lasted for like a minute and then there was just a nervousness that did a lot in the peloton i think that's the main part of the stage not necessarily the echelon danger itself but a nervousness towards that that could inflict damage when it comes to crashes and so forth but fortunately nothing too crazy i did see that port crash today so that happened but he continued onward so i guess it can't be too bad but we also saw an attack by dries the bond just after the echelons were neutralized again because nobody was doing anything. And I felt like, let's go on a bit of an adventure. And well, that adventure did last quite long because he ended up getting caught with about two kilometers to go in this stage. But when it comes to today's sprint stage, we've had the conversations already. Cavendish has lost Merku when it comes to his lead out. We've got Van Lederbergen, that was last man in that team. The Mar looks to have these stronger train here right now. Ewan has lost his lead outs and has lost the chance of getting on Cavendish's wheel because he doesn't have Mirko anymore and would therefore probably end up choosing the Mars wheel. And then you have the other sprint is like a Gavidia that has gotten close a few times but hasn't gotten uh, the victory yet. And uh, well, Caseball and his companion Dainese and so forth as well. But uh, what did you see in the run-in towards the sprint?
0: I think it was people reluctant to take it up. They were very happy for the GC teams to uh pace like Ineos, for example uh dsm were at the front but yeah no team really taking massive control and that's why debont lingered on the front for ages even though he looked cooked, like with three k's to go it was still like 13 seconds and then 1.7 it was still like eight seconds and i think yeah GC teams at the front. I think Van Cervinant or Knox were pacing on the front for Quickstep. But yeah, they're short trains here. And I didn't say the other day correctly, Zelig's not here who's been the best lead-out man for Ewan. He didn't get through Blockhouse. So Ewan's down a man and that's why it was... It was just a messy sprint, this one. Luckily, no crashes. That was good. It was a pretty safe and clean sprint, but a messy one. Before we get into that last 1,500 meters, a word on our show partner, Zwift, the cycling app that makes training fun and the choice of MVDP. who the bolt was up the road because MVDP was not willing to mix it up in this sprint he didn't contest it at all there's something on swift though for everybody to help you get fitter training plans workouts on demand events almost every 15 minutes and a packed calendar of group rides so if you want to check out swift if you haven't already you can go to swift.com for a free seven-day trial down below basically it played out like we expected scottson Dam, went first. FDJ took good control through 1100. I think they just went a little bit early. And Quickstep had Ballerini, Van Lea Berke, and then it's Ewan on De Mar's wheel, don't know where Solo is, and Biniam's not here. We'll have a word on him later. He didn't start this morning. And... I think FDJ went too early, Benji, because then they got swarmed. Guarnieri was still there and he couldn't really do anything for DeMar because I don't know if it was Bert van Leeberger or whoever. He came up and then dropped Cavendish off with like an eternity to go. Cavendish you see on the – and this is when the worst feeling ever as a sprinter would be 400 to go. You're dropped off and you stop and you look around. <laughs> then you lose momentum, get swarmed. and I think DeMar jumped early in the Chiclamino. Ewan was kind of off his wheel. Gaviria on Damar's wheel as well as Consoni fighting for it, not Chimelay. Gaviria gets clear of Damar who just went way too early. Uh, Ewan and Consoni are fighting for the wheel. Ewan has to sit down. He can't even complete the sprint, so I don't know what's going on there. And it's Alberto Dainese, and I had the same thought as you, Benji. I didn't know if they going for Bol or Dainese, and he comes out of nowhere out of the slipstream of Gaviria to win this stage his first ever world tour stage I think or no definitely his first ever world tour stage and his previous wins are at the Jayco Herald Sun Tour in February of 2020 and a Czech cycling tour stage this is a big step up although he came third in a few welter sprints but at the Giro he's got seventh and ninth in the sprints but how did you see the sprint Benji like did was Cav really, really missing Merku here?
1: Certainly, but I think it also comes down to Grupama not doing it perfectly as well. Don't that single Sinkel single gum? That's not a rider. Single dumb goes to the front. Was when they basically went around the last corner to the line, and that last corner, Grupama takes the inner corner, but Single Gum isn't fast enough, and because of that, von der who's sprinting next to him with Cavendish in the wheel, gets past him, and because of that, Single Gum also feels like okay, I'm done for, but. He kind of just stays in the same line and moves backwards. But the problem is Guarnieri is behind him. So Guarnieri has to try and go around in that corner with DeMar in the wheel. And therefore, that's how DeMar and Guarnieri lose like two positions. And I'd I rather blame Sinkle move to draw back in that corner than Guarnieri's move of not being fast enough afterwards as the reason for DeMar being relatively out-positioned in that corner. But afterwards, DeMar switches to the wheel of, I think, Caleb Bune, who was on the wheel of Cavendish, who was on the wheel of Van Lederbergen, who, like you said, yeah, van Lederbergen, just, like, stared behind and was like, mate, <laughs> I'm done, mate. Gav, it's your turn with four metres to go. But that wasn't happening. And you're right that Gav had to respond too early. And because of that, he had no real chance of, like... Because, like, the thing, if you're at the front at that moment... You can wait and try and wait until another rider flies past you. But the problem is you, you need to keep momentum. And to do so, you're spending energy as well. So you're either like stopping and sprinting to a wheel instantly or you're you're keeping up riding and hoping that someone picks up the pace behind you and goes past you and you can jump on their wheel. But it wasn't fast enough. And I think uh, it took a bit indeed. But uh, Dainese is like in such a meh position with a solid, I don't know, he's like in a terrible position in this stage where when they go through that last corner, like 10 field, 9 field, stuff like that. Ball didn't even give a good lead out. Yeah, exactly. And in the end, he just flies past a lot of people. Perhaps the wind was from the other side. So the benefit of the draft, I don't know in that aspect. But he ends up being faster than Gaviria on the line. Disappointing by Ewan. Ewan was in a good position in this final stretch. He dropped already in echelons. Had to do a 65-kilometer time trial yesterday. But... Still, I expect more from you, and in that position. And if he's the fastest sprinter in the world, then he should win from that position. As simple as that. And that's not the case today. And uh, yeah, Dainese nice victory, those Velta stage wins. I think we we kind of foreshadowed that we expected something from him this year in our uh, in I our preview. The the preview.
0: Yeah, I expected nothing.
1: Really? Ah, I am. I was expecting a move up in some shape or form. And
0: you can come forth in a Vuelta sprint in the third. That's not true. You could, I reckon.
1: <laughs> i disagree with that, with nah, that I'm, being,
0: I'm being <laughs> facetious but yeah he's he's improving he but it is true like this year benji saudi tour i don't know if they were interchanging him and bold which is by the way note to any teams do not do the um you do one sprint, I do one sprint interchanging. We saw that with Pedersen, Turns, and Sturven. And I think DSM maybe did it or weren't doing it with Nitsolo, oh, with Dinesi and Boll. But I heard that somewhere. Just don't do it. Just pick one for each race. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he came like fifth with his best result in one of the Saudi sprints. He managed a top 10 in one of the UAE sprints. Um, although I'm just checking. To prove my theory no he yeah wasn't competitive in any of the uae sprints he came fifth in the last torrento sprint which was very messy so kind of reminiscent yeah. of this so he's not really and then turkey nowhere near yeah just right place right time
1: i think it's a bauhaus like victory if that I makes agree. sense like the one thing that happened no, i don't expect him to like double up in the next two days unless he's like somewhat lucky in, in a in some shape or form but I think it's a a good victory for him and for the team. And it's as simple as that. And I was a bit disappointed. I was hoping when they crossed the line that it would be the one day per year event that Caseball would win a sprint stage because he'd had that one sprint per year that he's good at. But apparently we're still on zero for him this year. So I'm waiting for that to occur at some point in this season. But hey, if he has to lead out Dainese from this point onwards, he might not get the chance anymore. But uh, I think that's roughly all I can say about the sprint stage, perhaps lot being disappointing again?
0: Yeah, he, I don't know what's going on with Nitsolo. Like, you look at his 2021, he wasn't good all the time, like in terms of winning, but like Giro, he came second, second, and then won a sprint. And here he's like finishing two spots in 11th ahead of his leader, Manzabel in 13th. He came third and fifth on stages five and six, but yeah, not working for Nitsolo, and they need the points. Um, but, yeah, I should do the full top 10. Dainese ahead of Gaviria, Consoni third, DeMar fourth, Ewan fifth, Cavendish sixth, Edward Turns seventh, Modelo eighth, Bauhaus ninth, Lawrence Narsen ahead of Nitsolo in tenth. And I feel bad for Gaviria. Imagine if you told him, Fernando, today you're going to beat Ewan, Damar, and Cavendish easily, but you're not going to win. He'd be like, come off it. And, yeah. Dainese just came later, uh, but we've got some other news t- to talk about as well as previewing tomorrow's stage, which is a little bit more complicated. But before we get into that, mention our supporting sponsor GCN Plus, where you can watch every kilometer live and ad-free of the Giro d'Italia worldwide, excluding New Zealand. Catch up when it suits you with full stage replays on demand. Highlights available on any screen, so you can watch anytime. Anywhere And tomorrow's stage, indeed, is going to be one to watch, I think, from, I guess, the last two-thirds of it. I would say there's some hills that really will see, I think, maybe Alberson try for fair again. But all LRCP listeners from the US, UK, Australia, Canada, Germany can get 25% off an annual GCN Plus subscription, which is already good value at full price, by heading to GCN.eu slash LRCP in the description down below. Tomorrow, Benji, Climby Sprinty Boy stage, we have a gradual climb after the Paso del Bocco, 6Ks, 4%, some false flat, descent, then 9Ks, 4%, descent, then 4.3Ks, 8%, which crests, quick maths, 32Ks from the finish. And some little rollers too, some Remy Cavagna suicide attack rollers with about 17Ks to go. I like MVP for this.
1: Hmm. Intriguing. I think this is a breakaway stage in my opinion, at least. And, um, I think the Hills in the end are the ones that are shouting that to me. But, um, I also want to mention that I think the Paso del Bocco is the climb that Walter Rayland unfortunately passed away on back in the day. And I think this is the first time we visit that again, since that moment in the Giro. So a bit of a special moment in that aspect, but I think indeed that this stage I think this is a breakaway stage, and it kind of reminds me, perhaps the climbs are less, but of that Godou versus Colbrelli stage from the tour last year where, oh, it was kind of boring, wasn't it?
0: I think it's a little bit softer than that one, the one Conrad won. Um, that had, I think, like proper climbs in it. Let me just check to confirm. But yeah, that you're right, it did have some longer climbs, but that was more like 13K, 7%. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Like, because with Binium gone, that's another. Because Alperson would have had an ally to help control the break. Mm-hmm. And now it's all on Alperson because DeMar, he's looking in fantastic shape. And Damar in Giro 2020, when he was previously in fantastic shape, he won a stage like this uh, when Sagan and Bora couldn't drop him. And, but then 4K 8%. You're right. It's.
1: Desfatzion. Secondary train victory coming in.
0: Yeah, I mean, he'd be perfect for it. He was climbing unbelievably well on blockhouse. I think you're right. I think it's just a little bit hard. Like, that's just too much to ask of Dries de Bon and Senna and I think so. Okay. Leading towards breakaway. But who will we see in it? If you're MVP, Benji, you do you just get in the break?
1: I think yes. Like, he's at this giro and he doesn't want to do flat sprint stages. So apparently, uh, the breakaway stage are the ones that he's going to focus on. And I think this might be the one that they might do it. I think I agree with the fact that Antrimarche not being in this race is a loss for uh, Alperson technically, because then you'd have two teams controlling it, which now you likely won't unless like you mentioned, Groupama kicks in for that. But um, I don't think a lot of will make the same mistake <laughs> when it came with them yesterday with controlling as well for a stage that you would come too well on. But um yeah trexig could try some stuff but lopez is still in gc so they might not do that they might not want to break to get too much time unless if there's like someone special in there stuff like that but i don't know i feel like i'm leaning towards i, I forgot which rider i said by the way but like a good magnus court Nielsen would be good on the stage as well but we haven't seen that yeah. yet unless like the first stage you you count that aspect but um yeah, I forgot which rider I mentioned, but...
0: Tess Yeah,
1: Tess I'm
0: going with Simon Yates uh, from the break. Ooh. Is he now? too far, far back to get in the break?
1: Too far back?
0: Yeah, where's he on GC? He's on 24- like 20 minutes? He's on... Listen, Bike Exchange, this is what you have to do. Get Yates in the break with Jules Jensen and how uh, Hepburn with some engines to get him over Bocco and, and so he doesn't have to pull there. Go for the stage win with Yates, but also try and take back five minutes on GC, Guillaume Martins style, get yourself back in the fight. Hopefully his knee's improving. I mean, he was attacking the other day, the rest day. Maybe it, it's improving. I don't know. That's what I would do if I was them. Otherwise, what's the point of being here? I think he's not so far back at 11 minutes, and the way he can climb in week three, <laughs> yeah. he, he can get into the top seven. So yeah. I, I think he has to do that, and they have to do that tomorrow. Um, so I'd really, and Yul Jensen was aggressive, I think, again today, like Bex being much more aggressive. They got Craddock, Hepburn, Yul Jensen, Sobrera. They should all try and get in the break. Maro Schmidt. Yeah. I, I, I mean, Uh, I say that about Yates. I actually, it's 30K from the finish. You really want someone with a fast, flat sprint, although Yates is quite quick. I'm going with Schmidt from the break, Benji.
1: Okay, you're allowed to do that. That's it for uh, for our predictions when it comes to the stage then, right?
0: It is. And so the big news, which you've already, we sort of alluded to, was after the stage yesterday, Binium wins, historical win. And he gets onto the podium and everyone's sort of on Twitter. We were all excited, maybe not watching the podium. And then suddenly you see the news. He has injured his left eye when popping the cork from the champagne magnum. I'm not sure if it's technically magnum size. And this actually didn't come as a surprise that this happened because you will have seen on stage one – NVDP nearly did the same thing. He nearly blinded himself when the cork popped and it hit him in the right cheekbone near his eye. So I don't know what's going on, but anyway, it hit him in the eye. You can see him in the photos like squinting, closing the eye, obviously in pain on the podium. And he obviously didn't want to ruin that moment. But then it came out that he's gone to hospital uh, and we saw him with an eye patch afterwards. So the question was, would he start today? And they released a statement, Benji, this morning to that effect.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. A video that included Binyam thanking everyone for all the support and so forth, thanking the team, and eventually saying that he needs to rest so that his eye can have eye power again. That's his literal words. But I love how he how he mentioned that. He seemed to be quite positive about it. Not necessarily he's a bit sad, obviously, but he ended up DNSing, not starting today's stage and Probably for the better, because I I spoke to some people at the team of Mache For the first two hours, he was unable to see through that eye, so that's not good. And eventually, I think I got a message at like 2 a.m. that his eye was getting better, but he still couldn't completely see. So I think it's a very wise decision, uh, despite me not having a doctorate in eye-related things, that he is not starting today. He's gotten the goal that he wanted at this race, which was winning a stage. He did the same at the classics with Henry Avilham. I think he's shown himself a lot this year, and I think well, a wonderful rider, you know. And yeah, that statement came out, and it wasn't really a surprise when you saw him with that eye patch, even though that eye patch did not make it to the hotel from the hospital. So somewhere between the hospital and the hotel, the eye patch came off. So uh, it can't have been like, like so, so bad.
0: I mean, it's a bit ridiculous, and it's like a like a dark comedy sketch but when it initially happened I was like that's almost career ending if you lose the sight in one eye that can be the end of your career and I was worried for a time like if you literally can't see out of it that's a real possibility yeah. so at least good that it seems to be on the road to recovery and it's not that worst case outcome but a real shame for the race as I said like with Binium here with MVP tomorrow already that's removing maybe another element from a perfect stage for him and MVP to have another exciting battle. We know how good we know how good the stage was yesterday at the end. Uh, so real shame, and also yep. he was probably the f- uh, second favorite for Chiclamino, So Damar should, uh, should walk it.
1: Yes, yeah, certainly. And it's perhaps a conspiracy theory, but allegedly Demar did not open his Prosecco bottle on the podium yesterday. So perhaps he knew about the danger of the bottle and did not want to tell Biniam, and therefore basically eliminated, allegedly, his competition for the Ciclamino jersey. It's just a theory that I came up with. So perhaps it's very much non-true at all. But hey, it's a thing now. And uh, I heard that I think Cavendish warned Jumbo Visma riders again allegedly that the prosecco bottle on the stage is half opened already so writers apparently were not expecting it to be half out of like the bottle already and because of that that might be the reason uh, plenty of stories are going around but uh yeah i don't know i don't know what the reasoning is i haven't drank one of those bottles yet i don't know if it's the Giro pre-opening mdm and so forth that increases the danger there but it's certainly uh Happening more at this race than other races.
0: And we just saw Dianese opening it, facing away from himself, um, which also, I guess, eliminates the risk. Uh, but yeah, he was pretty keen to do that and hopefully we don't see something like this again, just weird, only in cycling. Uh, but yeah, in other... Oh, no, second thing on that, on the last thing on Binnie and Benji, where would you... What would you do if you were into Marche now? Assuming his eye recovers and insane. He can resume normal training in a week or whatever, best case scenario, and after he has a break. What would you do? approach for his schedule?
1: I'd uh, focus on bringing him up towards trying to win the Bing Bang Tour because cobbles and so forth, and I think that kind of fits. And then I'd, it's probably not Antoine that's prepping that, but I'd love to see him try and win in Wollongong because I'd argue his climbing's pretty good. I'd argue his sprinting after climbs is pretty good. Why not, eh? I'd love to see a Vignon become world champion would be great. And uh, perhaps it's early to be shouting that, but I feel like it's a race that, based on the rumors when it comes to the parkour and the parkours that already came out, fits him on paper. So I'd be looking towards those two races. I've heard people say Tour de France or Vuelta. I don't know if I would send them to the Tour de France, even though he left the Giro early. What do you think?
0: Uh, yes, I would send him to the Tour. Because, well, <laughs> it, it depends yeah. what you promised Christophe. Um, you know, Christophe's been a good teammate, but yeah, if you've promised Christophe Tour de France sprints, then that becomes a difficult conversation. Uh, how many stages suit Binium in the Tour? There's actually a few miscellaneous sort of up and down sprint stages, but yeah, I I would, uh, yeah, like Longwe for example. Um, and it'd be cool to see him against the the big. Well, he's already been MVP here, but against Alaphilippe and Wow and all of them, that would be fantastic. But World suits him. He's got sort of Tour de Polonia, Limburg, all that sort of stuff. Britannia Classic on his indicative PCS schedule, as well as the Canadian races, if they go ahead. Uh, I think, I think World's a little bit. Yeah, I just I just think he's not in the category of the top punchers and he'll struggle there. That's my only concern. But yeah, hopefully he's all good and whatever race he's at next. I mean, he's a superstar now. Like, he look at his social media, it's just exploding. Um, he's a proper superstar, which is awesome. But that's all from us today. Thanks for listening. As always, thanks to Zwift, our show partner, for supporting LRCP. We've got a stage that I really am not confident in an- how it will go tomorrow. Uh, Could be a sprint, could be a small sprint, could be a lone breakaway. Don't really know. Depends how they ride it. Make sure you catch it on GCM Plus. That's where to watch it live and on demand. But otherwise, we'll see you with the Stage 12 recap tomorrow. Ciao.